And we're live with Wadi Waptel on Game Changers. Hi, Wadi. Hi, Vicky. How are you, sweetheart? You know, I feel like I have to say Wadi, 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 because last time we did it like two times, Wadi two times, W two times. We had to do it two times. And, and we're you know, live. So now we're having a tech thing. There we go. That's taken care of. I just opened another screen so we can take questions. Do you want to take questions today? Up to you. I could take a question or two, sure. Take a question or two. We'll, we'll think question about it. I'll, 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 um, what is the word? I will, um, what's that Moderate. word? Yeah, thank you. I will be yeah. a moderator. So Wait. Wadi, how, how, are, how are you enjoying this very bizarre holiday season? I'm enjoying it uh, as well as one can uh, trapped in their home. <laughs> uh, but I'd rather be trapped in my home than out there in this insanity where Los Angeles is on fire, blazing with fucking disease. So I, I know. Uh, everybody, please don't go out. Don't go anywhere for Christmas. Stay the fuck home. It's frightening. It's really bad. I mean, it's getting worse every day. And uh, it's terrible. But, you know, we're, we're, we're hunkered down here. We're okay. So, like, what, what, did, what, did, what did Thanksgiving look like for you guys? Thanksgiving looked uh, very much like this. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, it was exactly like this. <laughs> Somebody just said to me, a friend of mine just asked me, do you have any, uh, do you have any plans for the, for the holidays? I said, plans, yeah. The door stays closed except for Amazon. That's it. How are you handling? I just got an Amazon package 10 minutes ago. How are you? How do you handle? Like I got all these grocery deliveries yesterday. I got Amazon. How do you handle the? Do, do you like? What do you do with the Amazon deliveries? Do you wear gloves? What do you do? I used to. I, I haven't been doing it lately, but I think I'm about to start doing that again. Yeah, plus it's getting so bad. That's exactly right. It's like so. And, and here's a wrinkle. Uh, a friend told me that. Yeah. When you have groceries delivered. Yeah. That. You're, you don't know how many people have handled those groceries until you get them. When you go to the store, as risky as that is, at least you're going, you're picking them out yourself, you're putting them in the bag. But you know, when you're having them delivered, someone else is picking them off the shelf, someone else is putting them in the bag, then another guy is putting them in the car and driving them. And I went, uh oh, <laughs> that's, that's frightening. Okay, that's true. But when you think about it, when you go into the store and you go shopping, how many people have picked up that same package of toilet paper, held it, and now nah, I'm going to get this one. They put it down. Yeah. And wait, you bag your own groceries when you go to the grocery store? Yeah. Well, that's good. That does save a little hands. But yeah, it is scary. But you know, they say, Fauci said that it's not transmitted by touching groceries and stuff. He said we can ease up on that, but I'm too neurotic. It makes me crazy. Well, if he's saying, <clears throat> I'll take his word for it, you know, but I didn't know that. So I'm glad to hear that. He, he said that some months ago that we don't have to worry so much about wiping things down that I don't think there's been yeah. known cases of transmission from people touching an Amazon box. <laughs> I, don't think. I, I hope not. But you know, the way it is now, I think maybe we uh, need, a, need his second opinion about how it is now. We have Plus, to step everything up, right? Because it's crazy. It's worse now. So it, it's worse. So are you going to be, how do you feel about the vaccine? What do you think? I think it'll be, uh, it's fantastic that they're, it's starting. It's great. Are you kidding? Uh, and like I said, if, if he's saying it's solid, I believe him, you know, 
I just so, heard. I think it's great. I, I can't wait for the world to be vaccinated and our country so, to get vaccinated. So will you like it? Will you get online to do it? Yeah, I think so. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay, that's good. I'm a little concerned because there were three people that had reactions. So I'm not I'm not running out to do it. But and for you know, it's not in my neighborhood yet anyway. So I mean, I'm watching with a with a hawk eye on it. But yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I heard there was some some reactions. And they say that you're going to have a reaction to it anyway, you're not, it's not gonna make you feel great right away. But, right. but it will be doing what it's supposed to do. And yeah, we you know, it's, it's insane. It is this insane. Whole, I, mean, so busy. I spoke to you, you know, we were in touch earlier today and you said I'm slammed today. So what is a day, what is slammed like in pandemic for you? Uh, working on stuff here, we're immediate family, we're, we're putting out a, another EP in a little while. So we're going through thinking about what will go on it, what we need to work on. We'll uh, be assembling uh, that. Um, and whatever that is, the lead single from that will have a new video, so we got to deal with that. But I'm also working on a song for a friend of mine from across the country, doing overdubs here on music for someone else. And uh, so it was a combination of working on our stuff, working on this song for my friend, and uh, you know, getting ready for this. And uh, I know you have, there's so much prep involved with getting ready for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is. So, uh, all right, so I'm a little loop. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to like make it so that I'm like my head isn't cut. I, I look like an albino. I really do look like a <laughs> like an Edgar Johnny Winter, Vicky Winter girl. And I'm not albino in real life. I don't know what that is, but your coloring is lovely tonight. Well, thanks. Well, I, I worship the the, uh, the pale look, so we're good. <laughs> so, all right, so since we're already talking about the immediate family, I mean, we we we've gone through a lot of like how you got started and stuff and where you came from, but we really didn't get into each of the things you're doing, but I know the immediate family is of the utmost relevance and importance for you right now. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, a couple of months ago, I can't even say it's months ago, this has been going on for so long, this pandemic, but we were in communication and writing emails to each other. And I had a send an email to the guys and I started typing and all of a sudden I went, you know what? <laughs> I need you guys to know something. If I didn't have you in my life right now, if, if we didn't have this band right now, I would be out of my mind because I've had this joyful thing to be able to focus on. Right. And this reality, this harsh, stern reality of the greatest players in the city in the country just about or everywhere. Right. I mean, these guys who I worship working with. And uh, without this band, I, I, I said I'd probably be dead or in jail by now, you know? Seriously. I the you in jail, Wadi. Now, what would put Wadi Wachtel in jail? Kill somebody for being an idiot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you easily aggravated? I'm easily aggravated. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we're Jews. We're Jews. Yeah, we're Jews. And especially, you know, with this, this environment, I mean, it doesn't take much to like set you off. So, yeah. But you've been healthy through this. Have you like had to do Like I had to go for a mammogram this morning. It's and I when it's 615 in the morning, so I could be the first appointment, no air, a bad air and stuff. Yeah. Have you had to go to doctors or do any of that stuff in this? No, I've done a virtual doctor appointment. And uh, I had a sore throat the other day. So I 
decided I'd have a go get a test yesterday, uh, no. the day before. So I went and got a test at this uh, urgent care place nearby. And it was very controlled and very cool and uh, negative, by the way. Thank you very much. And um, so I've done that twice, but that's it. I haven't had to go to a doctor's office. I've, I've <laughs> declined getting my poor teeth cleaned, which need them. I know. I don't want to sit there with a hazmat suit working on my mouth, you know. Except I found a dentist that literally does the hazmat suit and they put they put crime scene tape around a room to show that it's been sterilized. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I'm gonna have to do it eventually. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm putting it off, you know, there's so, still work. So you're not like crazy, like going into like a, a an emerge, a, a urgent care and like there might be sick people there. Like that doesn't make you nervous. You know, it, was, it was very well done. It was, uh, you go there and you stood in a line of, you know, six feet apart outside. Mm -hmm. They gave you a sheet to fill out and they said, just go to take it to your car, fill oh. it out in your car. Mm -hmm. Then uh, camera, use your camera to, you know, photograph the little uh, symbol that, you know, gives you the length you need to go to. And then they said, we'll call you when you're ready, when it's when your time is up. Uh -huh. And they called me and said, okay, so just drive around the back of the building now and you'll see uh, an agent there. I didn't know what she was talking about. And there was, I turned, pulled in and there was a lady in a gown with a mask on and they just did my test while I sat in my car. See, I like that so much better. The thought of oh, yeah, being in a waiting room at, no, I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah, it was great. And was the really fact that they have it, that you're touching everything, that they're not, yeah, yeah that, that's better. So, you know, did you hear yesterday they approved there's going to be in-home over-the-counter COVID testing that you can just I heard buy. that. Yes. And yeah. you do the whole thing at home and you get an immediate answer and you don't have to do any of this. But by the time it comes out, we're, hopefully most of us will be vaccinated and it'll be a non-issue. So, uh, yeah, I, well, there's a lot of people who get vaccinated. So I think I think the home test will probably be first. Probably. And yeah, actually, they're saying in January. So I, I know we're not going to talk politics, except just to say I have to say, Mayor Pete, I'm very excited because Mayor Pete yeah. was appointed uh, to the Transportation Secretary Great. today. Great. His speech. Did you hear his speech? I didn't. No, I love him though. He thanked his husband and he <laughs> talked about their love. And I thought the GOP is going <laughs> fucking nuts right now. And it was just the most perfect thing because he really focused on it. And then Kamala came out and she talked about what a great couple they are. No, that's fabulous. We're going from <laughs> here to here, right? That's, that's great. Yeah, it was really cool. So that makes me very happy today. So, all right, so so I'm imagining, okay, you tell me, I don't want to imagine. What do you miss the most? Well, you know, first of all, <laughs> being able to just do what you want, uh, go out when you want, but I miss performing. You know, this is my life. It's, I've been doing that since I was a child and, uh, it's a, it's a part of my makeup that it's just, you know, that's my workout really. You know, I mean, I, I get physical exercise doing what I do, but without that, those couple hours at night, that's the real workout, you know, carrying around this Les Paul, which weighs a ton and doing what I do and moving around and that's the workout. But, you know, being able to interact, entertain people, you know, to get that feedback from an audience 
to play songs, play rock and roll on a stage. That's this part of my life that is huge. And, and it's the same for any musician. That's, that's what you do. Right. You know, it's like, so pull that away and it's weird. It's really weird. It's been hard to write, try to write, you know, of late now that things have changed politically, you know, this actual positivity in the air. Right. It's helped. It's helped greatly. Uh, and, uh, you know, produced a couple of new tunes now because of it and nothing having to do with that, but, you know, just being able to not be negative, you know, everything's been completely horrible. So, but, but the most, the, the thing most is going to, to you know, I, I live in studios, I live in studios and I live on stages. That's right. what I do. And I live at home. Thank God I'm here. My wife takes such care of us here and, and we love each other dearly. And we have animals that we, you know, we, we, we have a, you know, a congregation of these furry and feathered people, but, you know, without the studios and without the stages, it's bizarre. You know, it's, I'm here all the time. I'm, no one wants to be around a musician all the time. So, okay, so how, how is that working for you too? Because sometimes being together all the time can be great. And sometimes that can be a challenge. Get on each well, other's nerves and stuff, it's right? Great. No, it's great. But, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be around me all the time, believe <laughs> me. No, no. Do you spend a good amount of time on the phone, Zooming, whatever, to interact? Somewhat, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's become, like I said the other day, you know, we, that's my new gig. That, oh, we got a gig this week. You know, we got a Zoom call coming up Friday. Oh, that's our gig, you know. Used to be you had to drive to get to a gig, you know. Now it's like, pick up the Zoom, hope the, hope the uh, connection lasts, you know. But yeah, performing, performing and, and interacting with guys and being able to go to Cooch's house and Postel's house and get with Russell and sit around and write something. You know, you're terrified. I know he, I know they're clean, but you know, I get in the elevator and some schmuck sneezes on me and I'm, you know, I'm heading to the hospital. <laughs> no, it's, I know. It's crazy. Not funny. It is true. I get it. It is, yeah. I this I I I almost mowed down a little old lady with a with a walker today. I mean, I I I didn't want her anywhere near me and I was first and I like and it's horrible, but I claimed my spot. I I didn't normally I would say to her, you go first. I didn't want her to go first. I didn't yeah. want to her air. I wanted to go first. I was there first. It was terrible. This horrible property <laughs> just came out this morning. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, you're reminding me of a, uh, I'll tell you an old story about, uh, I was on the road with James Taylor, with, with Leland and Russell and Danny. Leland's on, Herman's on. I'm looking, um, we'll, we'll talk. Oh, good. Well, Leo remember this. And uh, I broke my toe one night running behind the stage trying to get trying to get around to the other side of the stage anyway I, I jumped over a light rig and broke my toe and so I wound up having to sit on stage and because uh, I couldn't stand up and so James is introducing us one night and he goes Lee Sklar and bass and uh, and he goes and this pitiful cripple to my right he goes uh he broke his foot the other night when he was in line at the movies and some old lady cut in front of him he kicked her. <laughs> and then James goes, bitch deserved it too. Like that. <laughs> it was fantastic. Oh my God. I love it. So, you know, by the way, I just want to give a shout out. Lee's with us. And I know that yesterday um yeah. he celebrated his Oh yeah, 50. 
How crazy is that? Wow. Sklar's. That's deep. I mean, that, that's, that's resilience and fortitude, if ever I've said. Well, you guys, how long have you been married, Wadi? 32 years. Pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. Pretty yep. damn good. Yep. How'd you meet your wife? I met my wife at a record company when I went to take a meeting with uh, Danny Bramson, who was running Backstreet Records. And I, <laughs> I proceeded to lock my key in my car and get a flat tire all at once. And uh, I was late anyway, so... I asked them if they could send someone down to help me and Annie came down and that was it. I just was, who are you, you know? Wow. We were, we were uh, magnetically uh, attuned to each other right away and fortunately, and now we're still 32 years married. So it's, it's, it's an amazing moment. So do, do you believe in love at first? I mean, like, I, I don't know about love at first, I believe in, something at first sight that I, I believe something happened at first sight that day for sure yeah. and and did you like like in the old days it was like meet cute you know kiss and give them the key did you like get right together or like right away no no it took a while i was with someone else annie was just getting out of a marriage and mm -hmm. it took a while but we got there thank nice. god <laughs> thank god i like it i like it i like it okay wadi so so you're talking about James. So how did, how did, tell us how James happened and, and most, I mean, was that, that was the first gig I assume you played with, with Leon, right? No, no, oh. no, no. I met Leland, this is referring to our band now. I met Leland first out of the band. We met on a Bobby Womack session. Uh, Keith Olson, who recently passed away, mm -hmm. great producer and dear friend of mine and, and Lee's everybody was wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, I was doing a lot of session work with him and we had this Bobby Womack date and he hired Leland. And so that's when we, we met on this Bobby Womack date. And what, what year was that? I'm talking like 1972, maybe. Oh, wow. Was, okay. You know, mm -hmm. 71, maybe 72. And, and I knew these names. I knew Lee's name and Russell's name and Danny's name from seeing them on records and and I was starting, I was a new session player, but I hadn't met them yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Lee and I met, and then a few couple weeks later, I was driving a 57 Chevy and nice. I was pulling into this uh, driveway and out of the driveway was coming another 57 Chevy, same kind of car, uh, station wagon. Wow. And this guy stopped, we stopped in the middle of Santa Monica Boulevard and this guy looks at me, he goes, are you Wadi? And I went, yeah, he goes, I'm Russell. I went, hey man, how you doing? He goes, I'm good. And then people are honking at us. He goes, I gotta go. He says, but we're gonna be seeing a lot of each other, man. Like that. Wow. And, uh, and it was great. So I met Lee, then Russell, and and then uh, Lou Adler hired me to play on a session with Lee, Russ, and Danny. And uh, David Foster was the uh, piano player on the date. And David is the one who told Lou about me. Mm -hmm. So he brought me in and there's Cooch, there's this name that I've seen on a million records and going, why does this guy get all this fucking work? Who is this guy? You know, I don't like this guy. Why does he get all these gigs? <laughs> and of course, the second we met, we loved each other. And uh, it was a reggae tune we wanted, they wanted us to play. And we were both completely enamored with reggae music. So we hit it off totally. And uh, so that was the initial four of us playing together. And we did a million records together from then on. 
we toured Carol King's uh, album, her follow-up album, which didn't do a lot, but it was called Thoroughbred. Mm -hmm. That's the album I met Carol, and we played on. We played her album, and then we went on the road for her. And um, then I went on the road with Linda after that, and then wound up working with James, with, back with Danny and Russell and Lee. And you know, we've been in our lives for fifty years, basically. It's just unbelievable. And there's the, you and Danny have. Is there ever a question? Who's going to play what, and who's going to come front and center? And do you guys just have a good understanding about that stuff? We have a very, very good understanding. Well, first of all, we've been playing together for so long, and and we our styles are very different. So, yeah. um, you know, if I'm low, Danny's high. If if he's high, and I mean, music wise, <laughs> um, you know, we both know where the other guy isn't going to be. Right. So we've always been able to blend our rhythm techniques together very well. Uh, and awesome. it, always, it always seems to work. We don't really have to discuss it even. Have you played with, with other guitarists where that was not the case, where it was a struggle to kind of? You know, uh, it, sometimes it's a little harder, but uh, it usually works out. But, you know, on a consistent level, Danny and I, we always, we know where the other guy's going to be. You know, it, it, it can get, tricky sometimes. Like David Lindley and I, for example, he and I don't get put on sessions together because he and I, even though David is an incredible virtuoso, way beyond my skill level, but we fill up the same noise content. You know, We both have that distorted lead guitar, mm -hmm. noisy sound. So we don't get put on dates a lot together. We worked on some of Warren's records together, both playing acoustic, that worked, <laughs> you know. So uh, all right, since, since you brought up Warren, so how, how did how did that happen, and how did how did Werewolves of London happen? Werewolves came about because uh, you know Warren and I had already bonded to each other, and uh, okay, I think you told it. Tell, remind we were, me, with the Everly Brothers. We played for the Everly Brothers. Right, right, okay. And uh, after the tour, um, I was working for Linda, and we were always you know getting together and. I stopped by my friend Roy Marinell's house, who was a, a great songwriter. He's he and Warren are together up, up there now. And I stopped in and Warren goes, Oh man, I can't believe you're here. The timing is perfect. Phil Everly called me last night with a, a song title. He wants us to write a song called Werewolves of London. And I literally just got back from London. So I went, Oh yeah, oh that's that's easy. Uh, and my friend Roy had this guitar lick he'd been sitting on for a couple of years that we had tried over and over to put into song and never had any luck with it. And I literally just said, hey, Roy, play that fucking lick. <laughs> started playing the lick that is the main lick of werewolves. And, and I, having just come back from London, having just gone to Lee Ho Fuchs, uh, just looked at Warren and spit out the whole first verse at him. I mean, you, I said, you know, I mean, something like this. You know, I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. And, walking through the streets of Soho in the rain, he's going, yeah, yeah. And I gave him the whole first verse and I said, and it's, you know, it's a wolf, so we ought to go, ah, and, uh, and he's going, oh, that's great, that's great. And, uh, and then I looked at the time, I went, gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go do a session, so bye, you write the rest of it. And uh, they did. Wow. That's how, it, that's how it came about. 
it, so it was one of those like one it, one two, it's like just done it was just fast and did they it was fast. no it, it they you know they worked on the verses for a while and then oh. it took a while and it, i've said this before where's london was one of the hardest songs to record in the world because so. it's so simple and the jokes are so important that whenever we tried it people were like you know trying to be playing cute and playing it light and playing trying to be funny and Warren and I are just going, oh, that sucks, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. and, and it took a lot of bands. We, I, I put together every musician I knew just about in town, different combinations of Russell and Leland, Russell and Bob Glob, Jeff Picaro and Bob Glob, Jeff Picaro and Leland, Mike Botts, Rick Schlosser, a lot of drummers, a lot of bass players. And finally, my dear friend, Jorge Calderon, who is a pivotal part of our life with Warren and yeah. Warren's life, said, Wadi, how about Mick and John from Fleetwood Mac? And I went, yeah, those guys could lay this down. They play hard and heavy. So I called them and they, they were thrilled to they get the cue. They said, you want us to come play with you? We went, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I said, uh, we're honored that you want to. So let's stop the flattery and get over here. And uh, they did. And we spent a whole night trying to do it. And uh, we did it. Wow. And did you did you know what you were sitting? You, did you do you know? Do you know? Do you know? No. Really? No, we didn't know. We really did not know. And in fact, Warren and I were very blown away when the record company picked werewolves out of that album we both went what really the dope tune is the one you want you know we were in love with his serious stuff with some great songs on that album werewolves that's the one and they were so right and we were so wrong we were so dead wrong thank goodness uh and the record company they were completely right on and it's been proven over and over and over for years. So, I'm so happy. Has that, has that ever has it ever not been the case? Like, did you ever have a song that you were sure this is a hit, this is a hit, this is a hit that you didn't get the spotlight on, and that might maybe eventually? I mean, are they ever wrong? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They're wrong a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, we all everyone's wrong a lot. You know, well, but that time they were on it. They they were right on. No, I've been on records where, you know, for sure this is the single and nothing happens. And yeah, but they yeah. were right. Thank God. Thank God. So is it when you have a hit like that and you're playing it night after night, wherever you go, you have to, you can't play with Warren and not play Werewolves of London. I can I can't imagine. No, and we can't not do it with the immediate family either. You know, we, it's in our show. I mean, it's part of the show. And, you know, Lee and Russell and Danny are all on those Zevon records, you know. We all were, again, we we're always together. So Lee and Russ and Johnny Strikes Up the Band is Lee and, Lee and Russell, beautiful. So do you, does it, does it stay fun? Can you keep it fun? Can you keep it fun? Do you Werewolf? Keep, yeah. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Cause it's a fun song. So it's a fun song. you know, it's, it's a ridiculous song, but it's fun. And uh, the joke works and people love it. And yeah, thank God it. Uh, I keep saying that a lot, but Hey, we're still here. So uh, somebody's responsible for that, I guess. Um, as yeah, I it, it, werewolves is, is always a, a high point of the night. People love it. 
You sound so much like Warren when you sing that, sing that song. It freaks me out. Like, most times, like I, I really think it's Warren singing. You know, we, we, we were so inside each other and I produced his vocals, so I know every inflection of how he sang it, wow. you know. So what was it like? What was your personal relationship with him? Like, what was it like touring with him and running around the world with him and stuff? Insane. <laughs> he was a hardcore alcoholic. Yeah. Very, very difficult at times to be around. But mm -hmm. we'd sit up all night playing music together, have a ball. But then, you know, there'd be times where in the morning he was still drinking and it was like, um, okay, uh, I thought we left the party in the hotel room last night, but apparently not. But we had our moments. We had great, great times together, but there was, there was strenuous times. It was tough. It was tough. He'd show up at the studio 11 in the morning, completely drunk already. So yeah, <laughs> it's hard, hard, to, uh, hard to know what to do with that, you know. Make him get in there. All right, sit down, play the song. That's all I could do. Was he able to when he was still yeah. drunk? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There were times when it was not the best uh, performance, perhaps, but yeah, he could. Did you know a lot beforehand that he was going to go? No. No. I mean, I knew, you know, when we all found out together when he got sick. Mm -hmm. And no. Didn't know. But you had your time to. We were, yeah, we, 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 we had a lot of communication. We were on the outs with each other for a little while. I don't even, not even sure why. He misunderstood something I did one time. Mm. He took it wrong and all of a sudden we were out of touch. And, but when he got ill, I made it a point to get in touch with him. And, you know, we, we parted well. Good. Um, who's Amy Wachtel? Amy Wachtel is the Wachtel. <laughs> she's a girl in New York City. And she's related to you how? You have to ask Amy. I'm not sure about that one. Okay, because she's on here and she's she's commenting a lot. So okay, you talk we were just talking about passing. So um, my friend Lynn is on here and she just came from Muddy Waters' son's funeral. Oh. And she wanted me to ask you, before this happened, the last time you were on, she wanted me to ask you about playing with Muddy. She said, there's a story about Muddy. I don't know. Is there a story? No, yeah. I've never, I never met the man. I wish I had. Huh. I uh, wonder no. why you, you were asking me that, Lynn. You're confusing me now. Um, I'm at, oh, so Robbie Sharp is saying, ask him about the cow sills, which uh, you talked quite a bit yeah, about. about that. We talked about Bud last time. Yeah. But um but you were like friends with them like personally yeah 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 still am you know yeah but you know we talked about that you know yeah we did i'm 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 reading and i i don't i don't know if robbie was here last time robbie plays with uh with bob and and uh and with john when he sits in and susan oh for um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Met. yeah. so well, okay. you know all about the fucking councils you know, that's right. He does. He knows all the fucking tassels. So, so, all right, Wadi. So everybody wants stories. I, you know, like, I don't know where to, where to go into this. Like, it, all right. So playing with James, you, you played with James for a long time. Yeah. Not that long. Couple not that long. Yeah. Danny and Russell Lee played with James a long time. Right. I know that was epic. Yeah. Um, I was there for a couple of years. When you're playing with James, 
and you're playing these iconic hits that everybody out in the audience knows every word to every song and all of that is, and there's so much love for him. Well, what is he like personally to play with? James was, uh, well, first of all, I mean, when he opened his mouth and sang, you, that's it. So it didn't matter what state we were all in. We were all a little nuts then. <laughs> James was, uh, you know, he was a, he was a hard, a hard liver, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. But no matter that, he'd start to sing and everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And we had a ball, the band that we toured with him with Danny, Russell, Leland, myself, David Sanborn, Arnold and, and David, Arnold McCullough, David Lasley, and Don Grolnick, uh, extraordinary band, incredible. And we, we did a million shows that way. James was a flawless entertainer. Yeah, he, he was, now, I don't know how fucked up we were. What, was, what, what's the, who, what's the most fun music for, I'm, I'm assuming it's the immediate family because it's what you guys do. But other yeah. than the immediate family, anyone else that you've collaborated with, what's the most fun you have on stage? What, what rock and roll is the most fun for you? Well, you know, I, I've had the distinct, I have the distinct pleasure and honor to have been in two of the most amazing bands ever. I mean, and, and but first of all, let me say my partner, Stevie Nicks, is a thrill to play with every time we play. We have a ball. We've been doing it since 1982. Wow. And we look forward to still doing it as much as possible. And I miss her dearly. Mm -hmm. But as far as the rock and roll aspect, I've I'm in the two best rock and roll bands ever. I've been in the expensive winos with Keith and Steve Jordan and Charlie Drayton, Bobby Keys, Ivan Neville, and uh, Sarah Dash and our singer Bobby Floyd. Remarkable, incredible rock and roll band. And now I have the distinct honor and privilege and pleasure to play with the immediate family, which is the best band around period the best musicians ever yes. working on our own material and rocking and rolling you know we've been backing up people a long time we've been playing beautiful music for people for a long time to me rock and roll is beautiful music so that helps and uh that's what our hearts are in and that's what we do and that's what we want to do and it's just so amazing that we get to do it and it's great going from the winos and coming to this band and when we played in New York at the Iridium, uh, Keith Richards came to see us. Uh, his manager Jane came with him, his, his lovely wife Patty, the three of them came to see us play. And, and it was great because they said, listen, we've got, our daughter is doing a DJ thing in the city. So we're gonna have to leave early. We can't stay for the whole thing. I said, oh, that's, I'm just so happy you came. And we hung out backstage and Keith met everybody and knew about everybody. It was just, Fantastic. And, and they stayed the whole night. They were there through the encore. <laughs> it was just such a beautiful moment to see. You're still here. Because I wouldn't fucking leave, man. No fucking way was I leaving. You know, it, it was great to see him rocking out to what we're doing. That, I, don't, I don't know if there could be a better compliment than that. No, not really. It was the whole, the whole nine yards going from that band to this band. And having the leader of that band sitting there going, yep, you guys got it, is the ultimate expression of love and respect for us. And uh, 
you know, I can't believe anyone respects us, but <laughs> apparently we've earned a little, so. Earned we'll a take, lot. Well, we'll take it, you know, but we're dying to play and we, you know, that's what we, that's all we want to do. Um, at least saying that we're both loud and I'm going to say, Lee, turn the volume down on your computer. <laughs> How can we be too loud? Is it, maybe if it's feeding back or something, is it feeding back you guys? I don't think so. But, um, he knows so, I'm loud. He stands next to me. He knows I'm loud. <laughs> so, so, uh, so the winos, how did, how did that happen? Winos, uh, happened. Uh, I got a, a phone call from a lawyer. Um, you know, I had met Keith years earlier. We got on really well. What context? He, uh, when I was on the road with Linda Ronstadt, he came to a show when we were in uh, London. Mm -hmm. Came to the show and I met him afterwards. I couldn't believe it. And he came to my hotel room and we spent the night there just shooting the shit with the whole band and all these people asking him questions and me just sitting there going, I can't even believe this is happening. And then uh, I wound up spending like three days with him at his house. Uh, we'd do our show and then I'd go over to his place, Kenny Edwards and I, who Kenny has passed away too now. But the three of us, the three of us just hung out for three nights in a row, and and then I'd, I'd see him from time to time when he came to L.A. And then one day I got a phone call from uh, some lawyer saying, uh, "Wally, uh, yeah, he goes, uh, yeah, Keith Richards is looking for you." And I went, "Well, you found me, so why don't you tell him uh, where I am?" He goes, "Yeah, well, yeah, that's good, but uh, he's at the studio. Uh, would could you give him a call over at the studio?" I went, "Yeah, sure." Called him up, he goes, Wadi, says, man, I'm putting a band together and you're in it. You're the other guitar player. And that was it. I went, oh, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> that's great. I don't know if we would ever say no to Keith Richards, right? That's not no, gonna happen. We don't say no, but I mean, it was, you know, there was no auditioning for that seat. It was, you're huh. the guitar player. And I was blown away. And the same with Ivan, he, Ivan says, you're the piano player. And Steve, Steve Jordan was the drummer because Steve and Steve and Keith started the initial process going mm -hmm. and Steve brought Charlie Drayton to it, to it and Charlie was an instant lock. So that was the band. And then Keith said, we gotta have Bobby Keys with us. And that came along, but the five of us went to Montreal to cut the first album. And that was it, that's how that started. So, you know, there's a lot of talk, you know, Keith Richards has been the butt of many jokes for many years. I, I have been shocked to discover how intelligent he is. His book is like extraordinary, like sure. brilliant. Oh, yeah. So when, I mean, was he, have you seen him just wasted out of, I mean, is, is there a bottle of liquor on stage all the time? I mean, like how much of that is bullshit and how much of that is true? We were thirsty. <laughs> okay. Okay. But nobody, nobody can play like he, I mean, if he's thirsty and he's drinking it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we were thirsty. Let's put it that way. Okay. He's, uh, you know, very, very, him and Mick Jagger are, you know, two of the smartest people you'll ever fucking meet. I mean, these guys, aside from having written how many 500 songs, perhaps, each one with lyric content that, you know, blows away most novel writers, uh, these guys are very, very literate, very literary, very well read, very up on everything. Yeah, they're 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 incredible. 
And Keith is that way. You know, he's so favorite he, show that you've played with the Winos. Is there is there a favorite bit? Like, have you you've played huge, huge? Do you have any favorite shows that stand out as being like when you walked out on stage, you went, holy shit? Well, you mean winos or just in general? I mean, in general. When we were on the road with James and we did Central Park, the first time they opened up Central Park and there was 250,000 people out in front of us. It was, it was what you just said. It was like, wow, look at this. It was insane. It was incredible. And and then we did it again and there was even more people. Wow. The, second show, the second show wasn't run as well. The first show was run very well. And it was, it looked like Manhattan Island was covered with people as far as you can see. Wow. Incredible. What year was that? God, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But you know, we, we've, we've, I've played a lot of big venues with a lot of these wonderful people we've worked for, so. So what other what other venues are like? I, I can only imagine that playing Madison Square Garden has to be a thrill. Just because Garden of the Gas, yeah, Garden's great. Uh, I played the Albert Hall with the Everly Brothers. That was pretty sensational. Um, you know, Madison Square Garden with Stevie, Madison Square Garden, a lot of people. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's hard to say. Speaking of Stevie, I I, I heard. Uh, her speaking in some little clip of you where she was saying that you brought a song, like she'll be writing a song, but it doesn't really come to life until you start playing to it. So- yeah, I think she's talking about Edge. You know, Edge, you're talking about Edge of 17. When, when I figured out I, that's how I was gonna play that song, it definitely put some balls in it. You know, not that it, it wasn't a great song anyway, she'd written a killer song, but when I heard what, what they wanted and uh, I just said, well, I'm gonna do it like this. You know, the, the, the demo had this echo thing on it, making that guitar do that. And I said, I'm not, not doing that. I'm gonna just play it hard. So like that, and she was probably talking about that. I think so actually, it is, but you collaborate with her. Not really, no, 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 a little tiny bit lately. Stevie's always really been a solo writer. I mean, of the last couple albums she did, she wrote with Dave Stewart, and that was a first for her, really. She really doesn't, didn't collaborate much. She does more. And what she'll do is, she, a lot of times with her collaboration is she'll take a, she'll hear a track. Right. And, and write a song to it, you know. So that's what, that, that's, that's a lot of her time of collaboration is like that. I see. But with Dave and her, she, they, they penned some songs together, you know. And, and I've added pieces to those songs. So we've collaborated in that sense, you know, but we haven't really sat down and written a song together. Right, 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 right. I get you. And, and personally, your relationship with her is easy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we know each other forever. I mean, we're, two, we're born two days apart. Uh, no shit. One, one year apart, um, to make that distinction, I'm the older one, but yeah, we're born two days apart and uh, we we get along. We are our, our, our on stage persona is is us. You know, we we love playing with each other. We we get the other person going and get the other play other person solid. Make sure we both know where we are and yeah, we're great together. Yeah, that's really cool. And when you play with Keith, do you have like a thing with Keith? Like, I mean, it's not going to be the same as what you have with Danny because you and Danny have been playing together forever, but 
what's your what's your music no, we have a, we have a thing well again it's i have to it's up to me to make sure i know where he's going to be with right. danny and i it's kind of automatic with keith i got to be aware you know if he's going to be up here i got to make sure i'm not there if he's using a a dark sound i need to be using a trebly sound i need a stratocaster in my hand you know otherwise if he's on his normal telly on treble pickup i need my Les Paul dirty sound. So, you know, it's a little more on me because he, I, you know, you want him to just do what he's going to do. Right. So it's that way. But we, we, again, we, Keith calls it weaving. We weave together very well. You know, there's a, there's a clip of us doing a, a song called Eileen mm -hmm. on the, on YouTube. There's a couple of versions. I wish I could specify the right version, but there's the, you see two guys having a ball on guitar. I'll send you the link to it. Yeah, I'm gonna see it. I'll post it with the show. Yeah, it, but it's, you can see two guitar players just having a fucking ball. And Keith is like Nuryev on it, you know, really rocking. So when you're in the studio with someone like Keith, is it arduous? Is it easy? How, 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 does, how does the work go with someone like Keith? It, it just goes, you know, the studio is, it's always up to what you're doing at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you got to sit around and wait for things to happen. He's very good about that. Sometimes it's time to rock it. You go out and rock it. Sometimes the lyrics are there. Sometimes there's no lyric at all. I have no idea what the song's about, but you go play it. And then you figure out the lyrics afterwards. Uh, there's, there's no set pattern in the studio ever. Uh, even, even on the most organized of sessions, things can instantly change. So. Spontaneity is, is a, and, and spontaneity is such a very valuable, important element in music. So it, it, there's always that element ready to, to fuck things up and make things better. You know, we, uh, that's how it is. You know, what we've been writing before with the, what? What kind of venue, <laughs> what kind of venues do you guys play? The winos? <laughs> Why not? Played, uh, big places. Uh, we played, well, we played the amphitheater, the Greek theater, I think, or the amphitheater. We played theaters. We played uh, the Beacon Theater in New York. Oh, we nice. played Meadowlands, uh, you know, big, big joints. Uh -huh. But we played little, little places too. Uh, our first gig, well, our first gig was Saturday Night Live. That's the first time we played anywhere. Wow. Uh, performance we did, which is a, a serious rock and roll night. Uh, that was the first gig we did anywhere, and then after that we went off to Memphis and played in a club, this famous club. Of course, I don't remember the name of it, but mm -hmm. that was the first gig. And then we did, you know, theaters, Fox theaters, those very cool, beautiful Fox theaters all around the country, and you know, uh, I can't remember the venues in England or Spain. We went to Spain, Germany, good-sized venues. Not not arenas. We weren't doing arenas. Right, right. Meadowlands was a big one, but so are the people who are coming to those concerts? Are they Winos fans? Are they Stone? They're also Stones fans, I imagine. Well, there's you know they're Stones fans, and right. when they leave, they're Winos fans. You know? Yeah, yeah. And now, by now, if you know they're Winos fans out there, now they know and want. We all want that to happen, but it's. I don't think it's going to. It can't. You know. It just really. Not, no. It's 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 a lot to do. It's a lot to do, and for it's for, you got to realize that singing lead in a, in a rock and roll band is the hardest job 
one of the hardest jobs in the world, just, just for the breathing factor alone. You know, you pass out trying to breathe that much and sing lead on every song. Right. So for Keith to be him and do what he does, and, and now that we're, you know, this age, that's a lot, you know, to generate the, the, the drive with the guitar and get up to that mic and sing everything instead of having Mick there to sing it all. It, it's too hard. It's hard. I mean, we go, you know, you know, we work our asses off. Immediate family, we go out there. It's it's serious work, you know. You're you're exhausted after you do a set. You think you just, love it. You guys are in a unique situation, a fairly unique situation, because a lot, a, a few of you sing, and you uh, can share that responsibility, which yeah. um, and that pleasure. And, oh, yeah, it's, and it's really helpful. Very uh, helpful. So let's talk about the immediate family. Some so, if Wadi, if you if you could do this for the rest of if they, if they said okay this is your band and this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life is this going to make you happy for the rest of your life this is that situation it is right yeah oh yeah we are happy as pigs and shit this band we get on stage and it's a joy to play with each other it's a joy to write these songs that we're getting to write together and this is what we want to do what's and your we're process waiting a whole process? long time to do it how do you, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. How, uh, uh, how, how do you guys write together? How does that happen? Again, there's, there's no set way. You know, okay. Daniel, Daniel have a song, have a, a lyric idea, but not have the music for it. Have the whole lyric laid out, but doesn't have the music. I came down and said, well, how about this? You know, mm -hmm. I have a song that didn't make sense lyrically. Musically, very cool. There's words in it, but <laughs> they don't mean anything. So Danny helped me have them mean something, put it together, make these sentences logical. Steve will have a song that needed to be edited down, needed to be shaped more like something we'd want to do, you know, mm -hmm. change the structure, melodic structure wasn't right on a song. You know, there's, there's no set way. Again, there's, there's, always, there's always a mystery to every piece of music you approach, which is fascinating and, and part of the wonderful thing about music and is it always coming when when you guys get together is is it like fertile ground for creating you know, sometimes sometimes there's a drought mm -hmm. but we you know at that point you know we have someone's got a piece of this or a piece of that but again it's been difficult to get ourselves together in these nine months here Right. So, you know, before that, we were on a roll. We, we had a good rocking relationship going. We knew how to, we knew what we were looking for. We could hear a song. Steve would play us a song. We go, well, how about we change that? But Danny would bring up a song. He'd do, should this be in, you know, in this time signature or this time signature? And I'll go, I'll listen. I'll go, no, it's, this is it. It's got to be this way, you know. But Danny would say, that doesn't work, man. Try this. This doesn't. This, it should go this way. I'm going, yeah, you're right. No wonder I, I can't make it work because that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of give and take. It's a lot of listening. It's a lot of thinking and a lot of feeling. And that's what songwriting is about. Telling a story, which is something I, everything I late. rocks like hell. Um, so in pandemic, okay, so they're saying, Fauci is saying, we're going to have these vaccines in the next, I don't know, people are going to start getting, people in our age bracket are going to start getting vaccinated in a few months, but they're saying it's, 
Fauci saying it's gonna take till next fall to winter for us to return to life oh, yeah. without masks, he's saying. Yeah, exactly. So with you guys looking at that ahead of you, how do you have a- we, You know, we're fortunate in that, in that instance because we have a record company Quarter Valley Records that really believe in us mm -hmm. and are there to support us no matter what we want to do. So they're going to stick by us. You know, when we want to put out a record, we're going to. When we want to put out an EP, we're going to. When we get the right timing to put out our album, we're going to. They're ready to back us to start working on a new album. You know, they're with us. So we fortunately have a great team of management with us. We have a wonderful PR person with us and this record company. So we're, we're set up with, we're very lucky to be in that position. So, so with, with looking at this potentially as a year ahead, I know we talked last time about how difficult it's been to write. It has been for me to write as a writer. You were saying that it was hard, but now you're starting to come out of it, you were saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so you guys can create new music, Zooming and, and that kind of, that way well we you know we individually we both we have stuff already mm -hmm. but we need to get together and you know turn it into what we want to do in the band but we have a lot of good starts on stuff and some are complete already we've got a lot of material building up now so it's it's going to be wonderful we have a new record to look forward to and we'll probably start recording it in the new year Okay, so you guys are in each other's bubbles, so you can do this. You can get together. You can be in the same room. You can start working on. Well, something. we haven't. We we're we are going to be. You know, we've been laying low, but you know, Steve has a great studio at his place. Right. I live further out, so it's easier to go to Steve's, and we can we can get together there, and we will be doing that. And and do you feel okay? So you these are your brothers. You trust them implicitly. So. If everybody says, okay, I'm hunkered down in two weeks, we're going to get together and we're going to be in the same room and we're all going to be cool and you'll be okay with that. Yeah, but like I said, you know, getting there is tough. You know, someone sneezes on in the elevator and there goes that plan. So it's it's scary. So we're, we're going to do it baby steps, but we'll be getting there. I mean, you did you did do a couple of shows. I know audience, but you guys were in the same room and you took off yeah. your masks. And you right, yeah, we did. Uh, was that scary? Yep. <laughs> yep. It was. We brought her on microphones. We brought her on cables. But, you know, you got camera guys near you. It's scary, yeah. Um, it, it, Lee's reminding me, in case I'm going to forget, but I wasn't going to, about the documentary. He wants you to talk about, the, about Denny's documentary. It's going to be fantastic with Denny Tedesco, who did the doc on The Wrecking Crew. Brilliant. And he all of a sudden realized the section, which was Danny, Russell, and Leland, and our friend Craig Dergy had this instrumental, great, great jazzy rock kind of instrumental band. And they were James's opening act and James's band for a long time. Um, but D Denny was attracted to the idea that beyond, because what was different about us was that the Wrecking Crew were in the studio only. We, our gig was to play these records with these artists and then go on the road with them. Right. So we had that additional facet of our lives being out there experiencing the road too, where, you know, Hal and the guys were in the studio always. Right. Denny's father, 
Tommy, he never left the studio, you know, that was it. So we have a lot of interviews done already for it. Wonderful, you know, all the people we've been working with and for. And, but everything of course came to a crashing halt, but that documentary, our original plan, if, if this hadn't happened, the record and the doc would have come out in November. That's how progress, how much progress we had made till then. But then uh, the door slammed on everything. So we still have a few interviews to pick up on and we need to do a big band interview. Where we're all gonna be together talking. We've done individual ones, but we still have a bunch of stuff to do for it, but it's seriously on the road to being finished and it's gonna be funny entertaining and very musical and a hope worthwhile for everyone to see. I have no doubt. It's, I talked to Denny at NAM last year and he was going to come on and talk about it then. So yeah, yeah. yeah. and he had, I think he went to Sundance, didn't he? And, and yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, Danny and I went up there uh, and met some of the, you know, the film from distributors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And we came back from there and that was the door was shut. That was it. That was the end. Yeah, Denny just mentioned that the other day, that when, as soon as we came back from there, it was over. So is this something that, that he can pick up, that you guys can pick up now? Is, is this, does this have to wait till this is all over, till you pick it up again? Or is it something that can get done during this? No, I think it can get done during it. You know, we can, you know, except for the, except for the fact that, you know, no one's wearing masks and, you know, the numbers keep rising, but we will be getting together to uh, do more. It's just difficult. It's it's just too frightening, you know. Uh, there's some interview, like I said, there's interviews that need to be done, but people that need to be interviewed are going. <laughs> you're not bringing a camera crew to my house, you know. I'm, and I'm not going anywhere. Right. So it's going to take a little while, but like I said, it's it's in the works and it's it's on the way to being completed. But we need a few more key people to be spoken to and interviewed, and then we need our group thing to be interviewed so we can show how stupid and ridiculous we are when we're together. Adorable. And we have a great song ready for the movie. Uh, we've written specifically for the movie, Danny wrote. Danny and Russell came up with it and I co collaborated with them on it. And uh, it's a really cool tune. And so we're ready on a lot of levels, but you know, it's gonna take a little while to get it all done. Is there a title or can you not say it or? Uh, if there is, I don't know it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why, if, you, if you if you could uh, if you could if you could play rock and roll for the rest of your life, do you want to play rock and roll for the rest of your life? Well, I think we answered that already. Yeah, definitely. I, I plan to. I plan to do it with my brothers, and uh, yeah. What else no, am I going to? I know this is the project that you want to keep doing. I just mean, can you see yourself still going out, going out on the road when you're? 80 and still playing rock and roll shows. I guess so, yeah. I mean, it, it seemed farcical to think when we were kids that anybody over 50 was going to be able to, you know, even walk or, you know, without a walker uh, or, you know, actually, what are you going to do when you get old? But rock and roll is uh, anti-old medicine. You know, look at these people. Look at stones are still out there. They can do it you know we're in better shape than they are <laughs> i can't believe how mick still struts around the stage that, oh, yeah it's just amazing yeah. and and charlie pumping out the drums i mean and ronnie and keith they, you know but yeah rock and roll is this it's an elixir 
it's a it's a it's a magic potion and and it it will never die and hopefully we won't either and when we do we'll be buried with our instruments because uh we plan on rocking a long time that's it that's it Gigi asked about Little Blue. Little Blue is uh, Postel's band. Mm-hmm. Talk to him about that. I, I, I don't know why I she's know him then. about it, but she's, see, I'm just like reading things, tracks, tracks? Wait, tracks, just, the nightclub tracks? I, I'm guessing that's what that is. Tr- yeah. Tracks and JPs, G- Gigi's calling yeah. all this stuff out. Yeah, yeah, um, JPs is a great club in New York. Tracks, J- our friend Jimmy Poulos owns this club called Tracks. And I think Steve's band played there a bunch. We played, actually, we did a horrible night with Zivon one night on the road. We played, I think it was at Tracks. And uh, I think it was the first time Bruce uh, met Warren and he Bruce took him home with him that night because the show was so bad. Warren was so dry. I mean, it's not a good idea when you have a bunch of guys who drink anyway and Warren Zevon, who drinks more than a bunch of guys, to have Stolich Noya be the sponsor of your tour. So we had we had so much vodka on this tour. And that night, that was the worst fucking show we ever did. And I mean, it was so bad. Warren was so out of it. And in between the songs, it was just like, I, I literally finally sat down on the edge of the stage. And I had Bruce Springsteen sitting right in front of me. And I just looked at him, I went, good pacing, huh? Nice, nice, he's running a show nicely, isn't he? Good pacing, isn't it? You like it? It's going well, isn't it? And we were cracking up, you know? I didn't know him yet either. And uh, he took Warren home with him that night and lectured his ass. Jesus. (laughs) To what end? I don't know, but... uh, Good help. But that was at Tracks. That was at Jimmy's Club Tracks, yeah. But I think Steve, Steve with his long, long hair, played in that band Little Blue there, yeah. I, I actually, yeah, I knew about, the, I don't know why Gigi brought that up here, but Bruce was on Saturday Night Live this week and it reminds me of a question I started to ask you. Who was the host when you did it that night? Was Tom the, Hanks was. Wow. 1988, it was actually, it's the week Annie and I got married. As oh. a matter of fact, it was our honeymoon. We got married here. Next morning we woke up hungover and flew to New York. Wow. And, uh, played Saturday Night Live on the weekend. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of a memorable week right there. Very much so, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay, so so before we go, tell me about Linda a little bit. Uh, and how was it playing with Linda? Wonderful. Linda Ronstadt, you know, you know that voice. Unbelievable. She's incredible every time, so loud sing loud that girl can sing loud but i told her once that the, that song i think i'm gonna love you for a long long time you go back and listen to the first two lines of that song that is the most beautiful sound mm-hmm. you'll ever hear because she sings delicately softly it's 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 this it's this exquisite sound that happens in your in my head anyway it just puts everything to shame and everything is calm and peaceful and it's it's the most beautiful sound you've ever heard and i told her that i said but then you know i said but by the third line you're belting again you know i'm oh you know but she's got this incredible incredible voice and she didn't love being on stage really but 
you know, you say that, but then when these people who say that they get out there, they're hams. You gotta be a ham to wanna be out there. You gotta really wanna be out there. And even if you say you don't wanna be, you do. <laughs> you know, Carly Simon, she'd always say, oh, I, I hate being out there. She loves being out there. Okay, so tell me about that because she's- well, I, didn't, I, you know, I only knew Carly from, Jim. she sat in with us at the No Nukes show. Oh, mm -hmm. And she told me she was, she might pass out. I said, I really wouldn't advise that, Carly. I said, let me tell you, I would not do that. <laughs> Don't do it because no one up here is going to give a shit if you do. Wow. So Don't. And she went, okay, but she was great. I mean, we met, we met earlier that day, I think, uh, on the, on the bus. And she was, you know, she loved my hair. She was like playing with my hair and stuff. And then we got on stage and she came out to do the duet with James. Right. And she was nervous. She was really nervous about it. And she said, why? Listen, you know, I just need to tell you, you know, I, 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 I get so nervous, I might pass out. And I just said, don't, just don't do it. I scared her into not passing out, yeah. I love that. I guess so, I helped her, I'd like to think. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so somebody's asking, what's your favorite guitar? I'd have to say my, my Les Paul, my 60 Les Paul. Yeah. Uh, and Tony's asking, um, what's your fitness? You, you're, you're always, you're, you're very fit, you're very thin. Do you, do, you, do you pay attention to diet, exercise? What's your deal? I try not to. <laughs> I, I, I do watch what I eat. I, I usually, I'm usually always dieting as a matter of fact, because I'm so conscious of, of not fitting in my stage clothes. And people will say, well, why don't you just get new stage clothes? And I'll go, <laughs> because that's not the idea. <laughs> because that's what happened to Elvis. <laughs> and I ain't gonna do that. I'll <laughs> fucking eat nothing so I can fit in my clothes. When I get on stage, I need to look like I'm supposed to. And, uh, but I get a lot of exercise around here. You know, we got a good amount of land to walk around and clean up dog shit. and. Uh, feed horses and stuff like that. So I get, I'm active, but again, like I said before, my, my most physical exercise usually does come from doing what we do. Okay, so I have follow-up questions to that because I'm on this met metabolic protein thing. So what, oh, what oh, for me, potato chips is the thing, that, that's life. What, what's your guilty pleasure? Oh, uh, you know, pizza. Pizza, Italian food, spaghetti, uh, you know, all the things you shouldn't eat. Do you like pizza in LA? Where's good pizza in LA? Uh, I'll tell you privately. I know I'm a joint out, out near me that does a surprisingly good pie. It's hard to find. It's hard yeah. to find. You know, I'm a New Yorker, so I'm very spoiled about pizza. And Italian food and Chinese food. Huh? Yes, and there, yes. So do we talk about your favorite slice in New York? Have we done this yet? My favorite slice is Joe's, 14th and 3rd. Oh, see, we had, did have this, because I'm bleaker yeah, yeah, yeah. at Carmine's for Joe's. You want Carmine, yeah. 14th uh, and 3rd, I found it. And what was your favorite Chinese food in New York? Uh, well, first of all, anywhere, yeah. <laughs> really. Wonton soup, anywhere you went, it was the same. It's kind of like New York coleslaw. Anywhere you go, it tastes like coleslaw. But you leave New York, and nobody knows what coleslaw tastes like. Although I have to say, Brent's is really good. I, I just no, got it to. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Yeah, no, it isn't. For LA. For LA. Oh. 
not bad for LA. Where do you, where do you, uh, do you have Chinese that you like out here? Um, well, yeah, I have a good little joint near me. That's kind of like a New York -y place. Yeah, but you know, I used to go, there was a place, my brother and I used to go down to, to Chinatown. Uh, and there's a place that's still there. Uh, it, the address is 69 Bayard Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a funky little joint. You know, God knows if it's still there now because of all this shit, but right. it's been fantastic since we were kids. Since I was going there since my, I was 16, my brother was a little older than me. We were, and it's still there and it's fantastic. Best barbecue spare ribs ever. That's the one thing I can't find out here, the dry barbecued rib that's so perfect. In New but York, Ollie's good still does a pretty good job, but they're not like when we were kids. Which one's that? But Ollie's, um, there's an Ollie's on the up, there's a couple on the Upper West Side and there's one. Really? In the I don't know that place, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're not like when we were kids. When we were kids, it was a, a whole different breed of thing. But we used to go to um, Wohop like at two in the morning. That was a thing. Sure. And also Lin's Chow Fan from the Paul Simon song. But we used to go to Lin's for Chow Fan, which is also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, it was, anywhere was good. You know, everywhere, the wonton soup tasted the same in every restaurant. Mm -hmm. You know, someplace a little better, a little better on the wonton itself, but the broth was always the same. Exactly. Jewish and you had the crispy noodles with the duck sauce and the mustard, and you have to mix Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Right. So yeah. there's a place in LA. It's called Din Tai Fung. And there's, it's actually in in Hong Kong as well. And I know uh, Din Tai Fung, dumpling place. Yes, that is. It doesn't get better than that. That's uh, you know, that's the uh, what, what's the name of that? What do they call it? Uh, Dim Sun. No, no, no. But that that particular dumpling. Uh, it's oh, It's a soup dumpling. Oh yeah, the soup dumpling is yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're great. Din Tai Fung is fabulous. Yeah, they're all over the world. I've yeah, had that in Australia. They're wonderful. Oh, wow. I love them soup dumplings. They're good. I think we got to wrap it, Vic. Yeah, we're wrapping it. So, so Wadi, when is the next piece of music or video? What, what, what can we look for? What's the next thing coming out? I don't know, but you will be of the first to know when it is. Because okay. we just released New York Minute. And if anyone hasn't seen it, Please go to our immediate family YouTube channel, sign up, subscribe, and check out New York Minute. It's really cool. The video came out great. We shot it at home. We have a great editor, Mike Permalter, is fantastic. And uh, it's a really cool video. So, but uh, I'll let you know. I'm going to put that, I'm going to put the New York Minute video in the thing, but also please send me the version of uh, the video that you wanted us to Eileen. see. Yes, I yes. I will, I definitely will, and I'd love everyone to check it out. You'll you'll see uh, one of the happiest bands you've ever seen, and especially the two guitar players, we're just like in heaven. It's ridiculous. We're killing each other. Well, happy is a good thing right now, and happy we need a lot more happy. Thing. And it makes me happy to talk to you, Wadi. Thank you so much for doing this again. My pleasure. Hun. You take good care, everybody. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Don't be an idiot. Don't go fucking outside. Be safe. Let's all <laughs> stay alive, okay? Take so, care, Vic. Happy holidays. Bye-bye.